With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. All right, guys, welcome back to the Established Past podcast presented by Clutch Points. Uh, I am your host, Blake Lovell. With me is my co-host, Dylan Reagan, and we are back here for another episode of the podcast, and uh, we are going to dive into our picks uh, from, from week nine and uh, all the the good and bad that the picks that we had uh, from there as we uh, recap the action. For everyone who listens to our, our picks episodes, which are usually come out either Thursday night, Friday morning, um, you know, we get really excited sometimes because we, we think we've got it all figured out and uh, we feel like we know everything. Um, and I will say, Dylan, we did say that this week, this was one of those weeks where we felt probably as unsure on our picks as we had maybe throughout the entire season. Mm-hmm. And it turned out to sort of be one of those 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 Sundays because there was a lot of games uh, we thought we were going to go one way and they went in the opposite direction. Yeah, I feel like we might know less now than we did just even a couple of weeks ago. There's a lot of confusing things that happened, other results as we as we talked about. You know, there's a lot of games with teams that are pretty closely matched up, so that's not the surprising part as much as what we saw from teams like the Packers. And uh, I'm not shocked, like we kind of talked about it, the Ravens were going to beat the Patriots, but the way they did, and we'll get into that in a bit. But there's some surprising things with some of the top teams we uh, talked about uh, last week in terms of our Super Bowl contenders. I think we have another one that might have entered that top tier this weekend. Yep, I think so. And uh, a team we already knew was probably there, and we mentioned that on one of our previous episodes uh, last week was the San Francisco 49ers, and we do start with that Thursday night game. Uh, Won't spend a lot of time on it since we're several days removed now, uh, but 49ers get a win uh, in Arizona against the Cardinals. Uh, We all sort of expected that. It probably wasn't uh, the type of blowout win that some expected, but I think, Dylan, we kind of said that. We we didn't Mm -hmm. make it our lock of the week because we said, you know, Thursday night game, um, you've got a team that is undefeated playing against a team that, that really has improved. Um, but the Cardinals come up a little bit short. Kenyon Drake had a big game. Uh, fantasy owners were just jumping for joy at the fact that, that he got away from the Dolphins. Um, and so now he has a big game, but it's not enough. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo, four touchdown passes. And uh, the 49ers just keep on rolling. The only undefeated team left. 
Yeah, it looked it looked a little closer with the final score than it might have been. Tevin Coleman dropped uh, a screen pass that probably was going to go for a yep. really long touchdown when he looked at the blocks. That would have made it, I think at the time, 35-17. Said he drops that. They end up uh, having to punt it away, and then you have that long touchdown to Isabella. So, yeah, I mean, uh, impressive for what Arizona's been able to do in terms of not just this game, but the last few weeks, as you said. They've improved a lot. Yeah, they might be, this might still be the worst team in that division, but that's, as we've talked about, one of the stronger divisions in the NFL. And uh, impressed to see them stick in that game and really have a shot there. I think the surprising part of this game for me wasn't necessarily that it was, uh, you know, that they are able to cover uh, out of everything. I know it's Arizona's defense, but Jimmy Garoppolo finally had a game where you could see why the 49ers are so impressed with him. And for a lot of the season, they've relied on their defense in the running game. That was not the case here. I mean, the defense played solid, but I mean, they still gave up some points on time that we haven't seen them in the past and the running game didn't get going quite the same way we have seen it in other weeks uh, Garoppolo really took over himself was making a lot of nice plays and I, I know Arizona's secondary is pretty brutal and we've talked about that a lot but uh, still impressive to see him have that kind of outing and that's what uh, if the 49ers are going to go to the Super Bowl they're going to need Garoppolo, Garoppolo to make those kind of throws and uh, make the convert the first downs and they really need them to run out the clock yeah and uh, these teams are going to play again very soon because uh, mm-hmm. after the 49ers play the Seahawks uh, on Monday night football this well next week um, they're going to play the Cardinals on November 17th again so um, there's kind of your setup for those watching the the undefeated tracker uh the seahawks are next then they're at home again against the cardinals and then they're at home again against the packers so three straight home games for the niners uh really i mean i guess the the way you look at it they're they're going to be favored in all three of those games um so with with a feeling like they have a chance to go to 11-0 but as we know they're playing uh russell wilson and aaron Rodgers are going to be coming to town and uh even as bad as the packers looked we'll get to that uh you still feel like uh those are not guaranteed wins uh, by any means and then after that stretch they go to baltimore and to new orleans so uh there's your upcoming schedule for the still undefeated 49ers Uh, a team that is not undefeated is the jacksonville jaguars as uh they just i mean if you got up early to watch this london game uh dylan i know you didn't you're on the west coast surely i I really hope you didn't because um (laughs) (laughs) this was just uh this was not a good game i'll say that Uh, the texans win 26 to 3 and any i mean we went into this we both picked the texans to win but we did go in saying like the Jags should be able to throw the ball here like they should be able to get something going Mm -hmm. with their passing game because the texans secondary certainly among the worst in the nfl and yet gardner Minshew has one of the worst games probably we've seen this season um and i know people may look at the the box score and be like well you know he threw for 309 yards and um no if you didn't watch the game like if you watched it as it went along the fact was they got nothing going you know he lost two fumbles he threw two interceptions um deshaun watson he i mean he didn't have his best day but he didn't have to this was just a this was a very disappointing performance probably for the Jaguars, knowing that this was an opportunity going into the bye. If Gardner Minshew has a good game, you put the maybe the discussions to, to rest about who's going to be the starting quarterback. Instead, you go in with one of your worst performances of the season, and now we're going to be sitting here talking about, is it going to be Gardner Minshew or is it going to be Nick Foles uh, in Week 11? Yeah, definitely expected a lot more from him. That's two straight times now where he's faced Houston, his first start of the year, and then this one 
where he struggled quite a bit. I mean, he ended up throwing the ball 49 times or 47 times, which is not usually indicative of what what Jacksonville wants to do. They're not going to be a team that wants to throw that much with Leonard Fournette. And if there's anything that the Texans have done well on defense, as we've talked about before, is they've defended the run pretty well. And sure enough, the the uh, Jaguars got some uh, decent plays at times, but overall, over the course of the game, we were able to move the ball there. What I was most surprised by was uh, Carlos Hyde. Holy cow. Yeah. I, so, I mean, the the time change helped a little bit, so I was able to catch some of the second half, but even just going back and watching some of the highlights of the game, I mean, it, it wasn't just holes that were developing. He was making plays, running through guys, and if you know, if the Texans can add that element of their to their team, I mean, the Jaguars... Uh, you know our, our, our run defense that has played pretty well this year so it was, it was really shocking to see that for me Deshaun Watson yeah you, you know like you said not the not the best game of his, the season but he still has one or two ridiculous plays that uh, you know keep drives going or score touchdowns so those kind of things are why no matter what we say about Bill O'Brien what we say about this defense Deshaun Watson's always going to keep his team in it and you see uh, the result if the rest of his team can step up they're going to end up beating some teams pretty easily Texans feeling pretty good and you mentioned Deshaun Watson only got sacked one time in that game we remember back early in the season we were like this guy's getting hit on every throw mm-hmm. um but they have done a really good job with that because he has been protected a lot better and uh that's you know that's played a big role in them having success now sitting at six and three on the season uh, all right the next one we thought was kind of going to be a, a slugfest uh the bills and the redskins and uh i guess it's kind of that the bills won 24 to 9 uh the redskins fall to one and eight now the bills six and two we've been we've been on this bandwagon for <laughs> weeks uh, you've been on it since the start of the season uh we kept saying you know my hopes of the bills being six and oh were dashed with their loss to the patriots but here they are at six and two and a lot of people are, are looking ahead now for the bills projecting their record which we've been doing here for several weeks um <laughs> you know next up the browns then the dolphins then the broncos um they've still got a game against the jets uh, there's just a lot to like about this Bills schedule the rest of the way and i'm telling you dylan it's they're they're getting closer to i said it last time they're starting to feel like a playoff lock uh mm-hmm. they're six and two and uh knowing that yes they've got to go to cleveland and to miami uh are their next two games but uh I, you know they they just keep winning games and there's really yep. nothing else we can say besides i mean devin, devin singletary looked great in this one yeah this was a devin singletary game absolutely saw what he's really capable of and they finally after kind of splitting carries a lot of the season they kind of let him become the number one back here and he showed exactly why all the hype around him was there going into the season especially for fantasy owners he's been on my bench mostly so he might make an appearance in the starting lineup soon <laughs> we'll have to see that but no for the bills uh you know another win but again like it's a lot of it's schedule based and while the playoffs do seem like a certainty almost not maybe not a certainty it's probably not the best way to put it but given the afc's the state of the whole conference I, you feel good with their schedule and what they've been able to do. But once they get there, I, I have a lot of concerns, not just about the offense, which, uh, you know, Josh Allen still struggles at times and hasn't really played all that well. But their run defense has really struggled as of late. And again, I mean, it didn't really pan out in the final score, but Adrian Peterson had a really good game on the ground in, yep. in that first half in particular before the Redskins fell behind and started throwing a lot more. So for, you know, this is one of the worst teams in the NFL. Buffalo has a few of these games now where they've, you know, they win this one by 15. The final score looks great, but it was a one-score game in the middle of the fourth quarter. I mean, this wasn't uh, – it wasn't over by any means, and watching a few things go uh, right here and there, they have a chance to win it. So for Buffalo, a lot of a lot more improvement that needs to happen before I'm going to, you know, pick them over <laughs> some of these top teams in the AFC. I, I, 
you know, and, and the defense seems to have kind of taken a step back from where it was uh, early in the year. Well, the Bills have six wins this season, and I can tell you right now, there's not one of them that's been pretty. Um, <laughs> they've they've pretty much all, maybe the one at the Giants in week two, but besides that. Um, they, they haven't been particularly pretty. And so, you know, still, I guess the you know, style points don't matter. You're winning games, and uh, they are 6-2. and two. It's a, a lot better spot than a lot of teams. But, yeah, up next, uh, matchup with uh, the Cleveland Browns. All right, the next one, we did not know what to expect from this one because at the time we weren't <laughs> sure if Patrick Mahomes was going to play. We felt pretty confident he wasn't going to play, and he didn't play. Uh, but that didn't stop the Chiefs from uh, getting a big win over the Vikings, 26-23. Um, this is uh, – we I think we said this. If you're the Vikings, this has to be looked at as just a deflating loss because Mm -hmm. you're going in. The Chiefs had lost, you know, several games in a row at home. They really had no momentum to speak of. Um, And their quarterback is still out. And yet the Vikings, who we kept saying – they're starting to sort of feel like that team. They're, they're turning that corner. We're believing in Kirk Cousins, everything. They are going to win this division. They're going to have a chance to. Um, and then they lose a game like this. It's just – and that's where you start looking at it. And, yes, it's a road game. Yes, it's against a team that's still really talented without Patrick Mahomes. Um, but this has to hurt for the Vikings. On the flip side, I don't want to take anything away from Matt Moore because he did play pretty well. And Andy Reid, as we always know – like he put him in a spot to succeed in this game, and more made the throws. Tyreek Hill had a ton, big catches, um, and Damian Williams had the huge run. So you got to give the Chiefs credit; they made the plays. But mm-hmm. I think still, if you're the Vikings, you had a lead in the fourth quarter, and to give this one away like that, that that's going to sting a little bit. Yeah, we talked about how their schedule. You know, they play the Broncos, some a couple easier games, but it's not the easiest stretch coming up overall in this game to you know get an opportunity to play the Chiefs without Mahomes you think they're going to be able to win this one that they had a pretty good presence of uh, road fans there too they're doing the skull chant in the late in the second half yeah. so I mean it wasn't exactly the, the same Kansas City atmosphere that we've seen uh, in other games but yeah for Kansas City yeah Matt Moore as you mentioned uh, Andy Reid as he has done throughout his career has put his QBs in great positions to succeed but still some throws that like that especially that first touch on the Tyree kill I mean it's not it's not an easy pass like these, there's not a lot there's a lot of quarterbacks NFL that are going to overthrow that one or not hit it right on the money and so what he's been able to do has been nothing short of impressive especially considering he was basically out of you know playing in the offseason was uh, I believe helping scout at the combine so yeah it's it's crazy to see what they've done with him there they haven't really missed a huge big of beat I mean you're never gonna be able to replace Mahomes by any means but the offense is still working well and for the Vikings you know on a on a bigger level as I've we've talked about a few times before this defense seems to struggle against better offenses. Even with Matt Moore in there, they yeah, as, as strong as the Vikings are statistically, and you know they'll dominate some of these worst offenses. They they tend to give up you know close to 30 points a lot of the time. They face these better offenses going from last year into this year too. So uh, that's the one thing that's concerning. But also for me, the biggest takeaway wasn't even necessarily Kirk Cousins. I was shocked that the Vikings weren't able to run the ball better. They did not run yeah. well at all against one of the worst run defenses in the NFL. Dalvin Cook had you know a couple of little runs here and there, but overall they didn't really do much there. And that was the most uh, that was the biggest thing. If Kansas City can commit to actually stopping the run and do it successfully without giving up you know too much on the other end uh, in terms of their pass defense, which has been so strong, uh, they're going to be fine. And but for Minnesota, I think that's it says for me more about them and I, my concerns with their ability to not put up more points on the Kansas City especially with uh, not getting it done on the ground with Dalvin 
Yep, and the Chiefs now get ready to go come here to Nashville, actually, to play the Titans. Um, <laughs> and then the, the Vikings are going to head to Dallas to play the Cowboys. So not, you know, not easy games for either of those two teams. But, mm-hmm. yeah, if you're the Vikings, it's one you're probably looking back, knowing you had a four-game winning streak and feeling like, man, it would have been great to really extend that, knowing what happened in the Packers game uh, that we'll get to here in a minute. Um, all right, <laughs> here it is. <laughs> The game that uh, we were split on, I I told you I was as close as ever to finally picking the Miami Dolphins to win a game. I did not have the confidence to do it. You did. You went back to that well for a second time, and I have to give you uh, <laughs> props on that because that was uh, very bold to do. But the Dolphins, the team we were hyping up as potentially one of the worst teams in NFL history, they get a 26-18 to win over what I guess now is joining them there as uh, among the worst teams in NFL history. Uh, I'm just kidding. I don't, I don't think the Jets are one of the worst. However, I mean, if we look at it, the, the Jets are have the same record, and the Dolphins now hold the tiebreaker. Um, wow. I mean, the Jets are just an absolute just a mess. I, there, there's no other way to put it. Uh, they're, you know, Ryan Fitzpatrick, and we can talk about Fitzmagic and all this other stuff, but <laughs> the the like, how do you come on, Adam Gase? Uh, what do you even? I don't know. What do you do at this point? Like Jets fans, I don't know what they have to be thinking. All the the stuff we talked about at the trade deadline, where it seems like everyone's getting rumored to be on the trade block. Um, you've got Jamal Adams clearly upset. Uh, Adam Gase is, you know, everyone's upset with Adam Gase. You, you've got fans in the stands in Miami chanting for Gase to be fired. Um, <laughs> after it's just ah, uh, like what are you thinking if you're a Jets fan right now? I honestly have no idea. Yeah, I, I, I'm feeling a lot better if I'm a Dolphins fan, not just because you got the win, but in terms of where you're going, yes, the Jets have who they believe is their franchise quarterback, but there's a lot of work to be done in terms of what they're building around him and him himself. I mean, Darnold, at a certain point, we can, we can only blame the team around him so long. In this game, you gotta you got to find a way to win. And there's, I mean, beyond just that one interception, which was just awful after the overturned touchdown to uh, Ryan Griffin, I mean, beyond that, he still was struggling quite a bit and did not make the throws that – yeah, you know you want your franchise quarterback to be able to make and overall as a team though I mean this Dolphins defense has been atrocious on you know both stopping the pass and the run I was shocked they couldn't run the ball better and on the flip side the Jets defense I mean they, they've been able to stop the run and they did again Miami had no, nothing going there but Fitzpatrick was throwing all over them making making it look pretty easy and I mean this game and the Dolphins were well well in control. This wasn't like they <laughs> no. eked it out with like some fluky turnovers. They they won the game like straight up on, on both sides of the ball. So uh, yeah, for the Jets here, you know this is a Miami team that is is the plan is to be bad. The Jets you know, this is a team that was trying to you know be a fringe wild card contender, and now uh, no matter how easy their schedule is, they're the team that a lot of teams, as I said kind of last time, they're looking forward to facing the Jets and getting uh, getting right by facing this team because they are, as you said, a pretty big mess. Yeah, not good. Um, yeah, we were circling that that Week 16 game between the Dolphins and the Bengals and thinking, wow, that could be an, an offer type of game now. Uh, we're probably looking at the Jets at this point and saying, well, are they going to be the team that, that has a chance to be the worst? But the reason I would put that and say no is because we've talked about it all season. The Jets probably have one of the best remaining schedules of anybody. And then, you know what? We say that, but we thought the Dolphins were a part of that, and they just lost to the Dolphins. Um, so maybe it doesn't even matter what the Jets' schedule looks like because they're just not very good at all. 
Um, and so, uh, I don't know. I, I'm sure the uh, the New York radio scene right now, uh, sports radio there, has to be uh, really fun uh, because, it's, uh, yeah, that, that was not a good loss. Um, all right, the next uh, game on our slate was the Bears and the Eagles. Speaking of the sports radio scene not being good, uh, the Bears, <laughs> they, oh boy. They, they put together one of the worst offensive halves in – uh, franchise history. I think we we put out the article. Someone had mentioned on Twitter that uh, it was the worst offensive first half for the Bears in 40 years. I think uh, they had nine yards at halftime, and uh, this offense is just a total. Just a, it's just not good. Like, like it's just terrible. <laughs> I mean, there there's no other way to put it. It's just an awful, awful offense. Uh, the Eagles win the game 22-14. to 14. I know the Bears scored two touchdowns. That's great and all. But it doesn't take away from the fact that it goes back to what we've said in that the Bears could find a way to turn things around. Their defense could step up to a point to where you know maybe they, they find a way to make the playoffs. At 3-5, and five, I don't know at this point. I don't think it's going to happen. But let's say it does. Again, even if they were to make that happen, which I don't because the defense isn't as good as it has been either, and we've discussed that. This offense mm-hmm. is not doing anything in a playoff setting. I don't know what they're going to do the rest of the way. The only thing you can do is maybe just give the ball to David Montgomery and hope for the best uh, because <laughs> otherwise this is just I, – I look, and I hate to keep going to the teams that lost, but that, like, I really think we learned a lot more about some of these teams that lost mm-hmm. than the ones that won. Uh, the Bears are just – they do not have an offense. And for the Eagles, this is a good win. They're back on track now at 5-4. and four. Um, And it just – I mean, Jordan Howard just ran all over them, and that just kind of added insult to injury there for the Bears. Yeah, that's the thing about this Bears defense that we mentioned a couple times now. They, they don't have that physically imposing nature that we saw last year in terms of just stopping teams on the run. You know, they've, they've defended well and that stretches in that second half were able to get the stops when they needed them. But we never saw them pushed around in the running game like we have so many times this year now. I mean, going not just the Saints game, but this week and again and man for the Bears like you said though I, I don't the, th- the issue is that they've been one of the worst rushing teams in the NFL this year so it's not like they can really yep. turn anywhere Trubisky it was almost like in the second half they realized that Philadelphia can't defend the deep ball and just let's, might as well let Mitch and try to throw one he had the one wide open pass to Taylor Gabriel but other than that they really didn't do much and even when their defense gave them opportunity after opportunity after opportunity to really get back in the game they couldn't do it they couldn't move the ball at all in Eagles defense which has had its fair share of struggles the last two weeks we've seen them play much better but that's because we've seen them face two teams that have really struggled to throw in the Buffalo and the Bears so like you said I, I'm not sure how much we learned about the Eagles at this point they got, they got some tough games still coming up in their schedule one a win they really needed to get back in the race there in the NFC East but for the Bears schedule I mean December their schedule is as tough as it gets so before they even get there they're gonna have to rack up some wins and I don't think they're gonna be able to do it with the current state of the team just the defense can only do so much and the offense if they're if they can't at least run the ball I don't know what we're expecting to see from them on the other end too yeah the Bears have two games against the Lions in November they play at the Rams and they have a home game against the Giants so I mean, probably I win some of those. I say at best, you're probably thinking two and two. I would think at best. I mean, I don't think they're going to win three of those guys. I mean, they maybe beat the Lions one time. They beat the Giants at home. They're not. They're not going to beat the Rams on the road. Mm-hmm. I don't think they're going to beat the Lions on the road. So, um, so yeah. I mean, it's just where do you find those wins? And you, you don't really see a lot of opportunity for wins uh, there for the Bears before they get to that slate that includes mm-hmm. the Cowboys, Packers, Chiefs, and Vikings. So um, it's <laughs> it's going to be interesting because um, mm-hmm. I think Bears fans. 
you know, they want answers, but you're, this offense is not going to change. Like, and Matt Nagy was saying that, I think, in his press conference on Monday today, that it'll get there, but I don't, it's not going to, I don't see it getting there. Like, I don't, mm-hmm. with this, what they have going right now, I don't see the offense getting to a point uh, to where they can do anything consistently. And I mean, where, where do they go from here? I guess <laughs> it, it feels, and it feels like ten and six is kind of what you're going to have to be in the NFC to make the playoffs. And yeah, already at three and five, it's like, do we really see a seven path of eight to, to no. seven wins <laughs> on that on that schedule? I mean, it's they'd probably have to sweep all four of those first ones to, yeah. to start, and then you go from there. But yeah. uh, it's 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 rough. I don't know. Nah. It's it's disappointing. <laughs> yeah, I don't see it. Um, again, unless that defense looks like it did a year ago, then maybe they're at a chance to where they can win some games if they get some defensive touchdowns. But offensively, I, yeah, I don't know. But again, like we said, I mean, the, the teams are up. The Lions and the Giants aren't great defensive teams. So maybe they get a little momentum, build some confidence going into that December slate. I would not bank on it, though. Um, all right, next up, uh, this was one we were split on, and that was the Steelers and the Colts. Now, I picked the Steelers to win. You picked the Colts to win, but I don't think either of us mm-hmm. could have expected um, <laughs> this game to play out in the manner that it did, of course. Uh, Jacoby Brissett exits early and, um, you know, for for people who really, you know, that's what we mentioned, that the Colts offense had been looking not great, but you still felt really confident with Brissett under center. And then he goes out with, with the knee injury. Brian Hoyer comes in, and you're thinking, well, this is, you know, the Steelers all of a sudden, they're going to they're gonna make some moves here. But it stayed pretty mm-hmm. close the entire way and, you know, kind of an, an up-and-down performance from Hoyer, which is not surprising. I mean, the guy just comes off the bench playing against what continually proves to be one of the better defenses in terms of them getting pressure. Like, that Steelers defense is just something yeah. else. Um, and this is coming from the guy who decided to start the Browns defense over the Steelers defense this week in fantasy, <laughs> thinking uh, that that was a good idea. And, oh, I can't wait to get to that one. Um, but this is a big win for the Steelers, and I saw a lot of people saying this. You know, it's, we think about how crazy of a, a season and really how crazy of an offseason it was for the Steelers. Um, you know, you had two of your best players from the past several years and Antonio Brown and Le'Veon Bell. They're both off the roster. Ben Roethlisberger, your other guy, he gets injured. And it's like, well, this is like the Steelers are going to be tanking for two at some point. Mm-hmm. But here they are at four and four. Yeah. And I mean, their defense is good enough to where, I mean, look, the offense doesn't look great, but Samuels came in and played well with James Conner out. Mm-hmm. I, this is a good win for the Steelers. I know with yeah. with Brissett out, but I mean the Steelers are four and four, and <laughs> in that division, like the Ravens, yeah, we'll talk about them in a minute. But like the Steelers are still okay. Yeah, you'll take wins any way you can, and I mean, don't forget they they usually could have beaten the Ravens. That game came yeah. right down to the wire, and their defense played great in that one. And yeah, it's a it's an interesting game because I mean, early on Jacoby Brissett did look pretty comfortable. It didn't look like the Colts were going to have too much trouble scoring on this Pittsburgh defense, and even with Hoyer in there, they were able to do some things. And again, that speaks to Frank Reich and the the construction of the team with Chris Ballard. I mean, they've. They have a good thing going there, regardless of who's under center. So, for the Colts, I don't know if you feel too bad about this. You, you feel bad in terms of you know the Texans win the same day, and there's going to be a pretty heated race. And obviously, the health of Jacoby Brissett's going to be pretty crucial because he's been great for them. And uh, I mean, Hoyer again filled in all right, but it, I mean, the one pick six really—it's a game-changing play at the time when the Colts kind of could have put their uh, foot down on the Steelers a bit, and from there it became you know anyone's ball game uh, for the Steelers. Yeah, I mean, if it's crazy, what they were one and four, and now they're you know they win these three games. I mean, the 
Charger win looks a little bit better this week now. And, you know, next week they're going to get the Rams coming off a bye. But as we've talked about, the Rams offensive line has struggled. The Steelers have one of the best pass rushers in the NFL. So they could cause some problems for the Rams. And if they if they find a way to win that one, they got the Browns, Bengals, Browns, <laughs> Cardinals. So there's a chance. I mean, if they win that game, they could be 9-4. and four and, in the, and you're going to feel really good in the AFC <laughs> about getting in the playoffs with that record. So we'll see what happens. But for the Steelers, in turn, uh, I don't know how much we really learn about them in terms of, you know, the Colts, another team that's right on that kind of playoff verge. But this could be the difference between them to these two in terms of uh you know if they tie for one of the wild cards it could be a really big win i think it's just a really important win for the steelers as they try to get back in the playoff race yeah you mentioned those next five games and after that they play the bills and the jets so it's like they they have (laughs) one of the better schedules left of anybody Mm -hmm. and and when you consider you mentioned you know they should have probably won that ravens game but you take away that opening night loss to the patriots their other three losses are by combined nine points, and that's to the Seahawks, the 49ers, and the Ravens. So, I mean, this Steelers team, I think we've just maybe been undervaluing them in a bit just based on mm-hmm. how they started. But, yeah, they are, they're rolling right now. Um, and so, I don't know. Uh, it's uh, Yeah, that, that's uh, the Steelers are in good shape. By the way, as we're recording this, and I'm seeing this on our, on our board on Clutch Points, I just wanted to point this out since we just talked about this team, uh, but Deshaun Jackson seemingly is out for the season for the Eagles. Jeez. Um, so that's yeah. you know that's that's not ideal. You know he's been out several weeks, but it sounds like he's going to have surgery. Um, and Ian Rappaport saying that it's unlikely that he'll play again uh, this season. Sorry to the Steelers fans. I know you probably didn't want an update that involved the Eagles, but um, this was just happening as we're recording here. So I guess quickly, which we'll, we'll discuss this more, but. You know, Zach Ertz, I forgot to mention that. Him popping back on the scene for the Eagles, it was just a matter of time. We were mentioning how much Dallas Goddard and stuff uh, had been playing well. But I guess this is still a pretty significant deal because, uh, mm-hmm. you know, we, we knew kind of what their expectations were for Deshaun Jackson in that role. Yeah, I mean, it allows them to stretch the defense in a way that they just don't really have a guy that – kind of fills that role the same way in that offense and we you know when he went down we saw a big difference from early in the season in terms of the explosiveness of that passing game so huge loss for the Eagles uh, they're a team that regardless of whether Deshaun's on the field or not they're going to always be uh, do their two tight end sets they're they like the heavier personnel and it, it fits into what they want to do but nonetheless a, a huge loss for them I mean just when you think you know he's back and it, here are the Eagles winning a couple of games they're working their way back into it yeah. a huge weapon for them and now injuries have kind of been the the theme of the season for the Eagles as they were at points last year too. Yep, not not ideal, and uh, we'll, we'll see how things shake out there in the passing game uh, for the Eagles. But back to the Steelers. Good job for the Steelers. Sorry, Steelers fans. We, we didn't want to take away from you and go to your, your crosstown or your uh, in-state rival there. But, uh, yeah, that's a big win for the Steelers. The Steelers are in good shape here moving forward. Um, next up, here you go, Titans and the Panthers. Dylan, I don't know how many times I have to tell you this. Um, <laughs> you pick the Titans. I told you, you never trust the Titans. Uh, the Panthers get the win. The Titans did not look good uh, at all, really. I mean, there's there's no other way to put it. The Titans just did not look great, I, I thought, in this game. Um, it was 30-20, to 20, a little bit deceiving because the Titans did score 13 points in the fourth quarter, mm-hmm. um, just trying to rally late. But, um, I mean, your takeaways here are pretty simple. Christian McCaffrey is just on another world. <laughs> I mean, he's he's not even a, a human. He's just uh, ridiculous. And um, that the Titans are still in a situation where you just don't really know what you're going to get from them game in and game out. But uh, this is a big win for the Panthers because now they're sitting here at 5-3. and three. 
Yeah, for the Titans, it's disappointing for me in terms of what they weren't able to do, not only running the ball against Carolina's atrocious run defense, they're one of the better secondaries and pass defenses in Carolina, but they have not been able to defend the run, and it took until later in the game where Derrick Henry finally kind of get a, uh, got it going, so you, you, you can't, you can't uh, expect to really score many points on Carolina this season if you can't run the way that the 49ers did uh, last week, uh, and then you know, going back early in the season with the Rams. Some of the teams that have beaten them have gotten it done there, or at least forced turnovers, but on the flip side, I mean, the Titans' defense really just, man, like, I, we're talking they're up, their rush defense up, one of the better, <laughs> more efficient run defenses in the NFL, and it doesn't really matter when it's Christian McCaffrey on the other end. I mean, he's phenomenal. I mean, it's it, again, it's not just the run blocking. He He's making a lot of these plays on his own, and he's making guys miss. He's, he's reading the holes, waiting, being patient, just everything you could possibly want from a running back uh, in the modern NFL, including the passing game. So, man, it was – he was uh, on a mission in this game not to let Carolina fall uh, to the Titans. So for Tennessee, uh, you regroup four and five, as you said, though. I mean, it's kind of where I, you know, I'm not surprised they're four and five, but yeah. the Texans and Colts have kind of separated themselves a bit at the top of that division, especially with the uh, Jags falling this past week. Yeah, well, that was your upset of the week. My upset of the week was the Lions at the Raiders, and I didn't get mine right either <laughs> uh, because the Raiders – uh, get a, a big win and we said this a couple episodes ago you know we were talking about our teams the rest of the way that could be teams to keep an eye on for the playoffs I said hey if you just kind of look at the Raiders schedule it's not mm-hmm. out of the realm of possibility yeah. that the Raiders could make the playoffs and this was a big step towards that because now they're at four and four uh, they get the 31-24 victory uh, Matthew Stafford obviously had a big game. Kenny Galladay had a big game. We knew that was going to happen for the Lions, but mm-hmm. the Raiders, I mean, Josh Jacobs, is he's the real deal. We've said that all season long. Derek Carr has a, a good enough game. Um, you know, they. this is a big win for the Raiders because they are. We, we mentioned, like, the Steelers so sitting there at 4-4, four and four, teams that we maybe saw how they opened the season and were like, well, we don't really know how it's going to look. But all of a sudden, here they are. They're still in the mix halfway through the season. Yeah, and I mean, Derek Carr, we kind of mentioned going into the game that they're going to have to probably win a shootout because their secondary has been really bad, and we're, we weren't shocked, as you said, to see Kenny Galladay and uh, Matthew Stafford have big games, but if Derek Carr and this uh, pass uh, passing game for the Raiders can keep playing like this, they're going to be able to stay in any game, really. And especially with their schedule, as you mentioned, uh, all these teams in the AFC are kind of sitting in this 4-4 four and four five and three three and five range and uh, anyone can really uh, you know take it the opportunity is there it's not like the nfc where that's you know if you're not one of those top seven eight teams it's going to be really tough There's, any of these teams in the afc can really make a run and it's uh, been exciting to see the raiders be able to kind of unleash Derek carr in a way that we haven't seen since 2016 and really you know that was a year when when he got da- injured and he was considered as a possible M- mvp and his numbers are better he's completing more uh, more of his passes seven more percent of his passes his touchdown rates higher his yards per attempt are higher everything's higher so um I mean, he's <laughs> he's been phenomenal and i i'm not shocked though with the the way the lions defense has kind of been trending there were times early in the year where their secondary looked solid and it's really it's really taken a step back and that's going to be the downfall for them in terms of you know they've they've lost some really close games to good teams but it seems like it doesn't matter how good the team is the lines are in the game because they they can score and they're they, matthew stafford's having you know he's looked phenomenal but their defense just cannot get the stops when they need them well we mentioned that could be a shootout and we also said this next game could be a shootout mm-hmm. and we were kind of right on both because um when you considered sort of when you looked at these two games and felt like how they were going to play out we knew there was going to be some scoring, and there was certainly some scoring in the Seahawks-Bucks game. Uh, the Seahawks get a 40-34 to win in overtime. 
Russell Wilson, man, he is just <laughs> – look, at this guy, we say it, and we remember back like the past couple of years, it's like, well, Russell Wilson, you know, he may throw 20 passes a game or something like that. Um, you don't really know because we know they were going to run the ball. Well, he throws 43 times uh, against the Bucks for 378 yards and five touchdowns. And Chris Carson runs for 105 yards on the ground. Of course, the Bucks have a great day through the air, too. Mike Evans has 180 yards and a touchdown. Um, this is kind of exactly what we expected. Uh, it still plays into what we know about the Seahawks in that, yes, Russell Wilson and the offense are clicking. They're going to add Josh Gordon to the mix. That's another boost. Uh, but there are still some questions with that secondary. Either, any way you look mm-hmm. at it, though, uh, we can have questions all we want, but the Seahawks are 7-2 and two and uh, feeling really good about themselves right now. Yeah, I guess what it took to see Russell Wilson really unleashed was for them to finally have a bad defense. Yeah. <laughs> they, they, they realize that they need him to, to kind of take over the entire game, not just the fourth quarter as he's done so many times in his career. Yeah, Russell Wilson uh, right there with probably Lamar Jackson uh, at the top of the MVP race. I mean, just absolutely phenomenal. Uh, just dropping balls in the, into the bucket like play after play, and it's just nonstop. I mean, this chemistry with Tyler Lockett's one thing, but no matter who it was, I mean, improvising, making plays, extending them when they were breaking down hitting guys right on stride you know even when the bucks did have better uh, pass defense with defenders right on the play he was still get fitting it in there so there's not really a lot you can stop with when he's on his game so uh, as we keep saying about the seahawks and uh, you know the defense is a huge liability and, and eventually uh, i do think it will be the reason if they fall in the playoffs but as long as you have russell wilson and he's playing this well they're going to be right in these games no matter who they're playing i mean yes tampa bay's secondary has been bad but we've seen him do it against some other better teams uh, i still see Seattle has struggled when they have, you know, their two losses to the Ravens and Saints, two of the better teams in the NFL. So we'll see. They have a big test against the 49ers, another team that uh, with a really good pass defense. So it's going to be an interesting matchup there. That's going to be a big litmus test for where the state of the Seahawks are because uh, I don't know if Russell Wilson can do this every week, but so far he has, and it's been a lot of fun to watch. You know, if I had the technical prowess, I would go back to our previous episode where I said that I am going to make the Cleveland Browns my lock of the week. I, w- I wish we could just replay that right now because... Uh, my lock did not go much better. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> I'm pretty sure, um, and we'll get to that one in a second, I'm pretty sure that you were even like, hold on a second, like let's not get carried away. Um, this may not be a good idea on my part, but I did it anyways. Um, and it was not a good idea because the Broncos get a 24-19 to win over the Cleveland Browns, who were four-point favorites going into this game. <sighs> the Browns are 2-6. and six. And I will tell you, I was sort of at this point in the previous game, but I am I'm there now. Like I I'm sorry. Like I'm I'm done with the Browns. Like I don't I don't they can come mm-hmm. out and, and say whatever they want and how, you know, this and that and maybe the media's treating unfair. I don't care anymore. Like they're just not a good team. Like let's just face it. They're they're just not a good team right now. And I know that their schedule has not been easy when you consider maybe these last four games because three of their last four have been on the road. They played at the mm-hmm. Niners, the Patriots, and the Broncos. And even with the Broncos, not a great team, it's still not an easy place to play. We know that. Mm-hmm. Um, I, and I, I say all that, and then I look ahead at their upcoming schedule, and I'm like, well, <laughs> am I done with the Browns, though? Oh. Because uh, they get the Bills, the Steelers, and the Dolphins all at home in their next three games. They still get two games against the Bengals. They still get to go to the Cardinals. I want to just be done with the Browns. But 
yeah. this is like I don't know though. After this, I don't I don't know about that. Like I don't know. Like even when we say this, do I feel completely confident that they're going to beat the Steelers? No. Do I feel yeah. completely confident they're going to beat the Bills? No. Because those are two teams that have showed a lot more consistency at this point. Um, and I, yeah, I don't. What do we make of the Browns? I don't know where they go. I don't know. I've yeah, I have no idea either. It's it's a mess and. <laughs> Uh, I, all of us, you know, with all the talent they had and all the hype, and it was a lot of fun, but it hasn't been too fun for Cleveland this year. And this this game especially, I mean, after everyone knew the schedule was tough at the beginning of the year, and two and five wasn't out of the out of the you know realm of possibilities. But uh, you, you figured this would be the game where they'd start to turn it around and. Uh, you know, I did pick the Browns to win, but again, like I said last week, I was like, I don't. I mean, Denver's played, you know, in certain spurts pretty well, and they, they haven't always been as bad as their record has spoken to. And uh, if Joe Flacco had been playing, I was going to pick them. Brandon Allen, though, I mean, I, I've watched him quite a bit in the preseason with the Rams. He was a solid player, and you know, like he, he uh, for everything that uh, we've said about you know Flacco and that team, I mean, they don't have a ton of weapons really, and Brandon Allen made it work. And uh, for Cleveland, I mean, you can't you can't lose though to a guy that's really hasn't been on the on the scope of anyone since really college football, and even then wasn't a big name. So it's it's crazy. Uh, Cleveland uh, just finds ways to lose, and whether it be with uh, untimely turnovers or plays, they just give up when it doesn't seem like it makes sense. Or Baker missing uh, Odell for that one touchdown on mm. fourth down. I mean, that's the one that. Uh, everyone's going to remember just because of his reaction and how open he really was if you watch the play again. And the, the crazy thing about that was, he, as I, I forgot who pointed out on Twitter, that was where his first read was. He was his eyes were locked on Odell, so I don't know where what caused him to change it up. He, there wasn't a ton of pressure on that play compared to a lot of the games. So, yeah, for the Browns, yes, the schedule looks great, but their offensive line is a huge problem still, and they're going to be facing that Steelers defensive front that has eaten all, all season against bad offensive line. So it's, it's not going to be too easy for them, even against those teams. It's I'm not sure where they go from here. I mean, maybe Freddie Kitchens are starting to hear some rumblings of someone's going to take the fall for this. I mean, his his success is going to always be tied into what he did with Mayfield last year, and that's kind of why he got the job. Yeah. And, and Mayfield's taken a huge step back, and, it, you know, yes, the offensive line's been worse, but they have so many weapons and still not getting it done so man it's just not been not been a fun year in cleveland uh, just more of the same more of the struggles odell beckham and jarvis landry have each been targeted 67 times this season they have a combined two touchdowns one touchdown each and like that's a problem it's just not good and um i don't know it's that's why i said I, i'm sort of done with them in terms of they can say whatever they want to say at this point, but until they start winning games, I, I'm not buying anything they're selling mm-hmm. um, because they just haven't proven it. And, and until they win games, which, again, should be this upcoming stretch that they have, they should be able to get back on track here. Uh, but mm-hmm. I have no confidence that they can just because of what we've seen from them thus far. And, again, knowing that they're playing two good defenses coming up in the Bills and the Steelers, um, that doesn't make you feel any better about what they've done offensively. <laughs> um, so I don't know. Like, I'm sure if you're a Browns fan, you're like, you know what? We've seen a lot worse. Trust me. Um, yeah. we, we, we've been Browns fans. We've seen a lot worse than this. <laughs> but but I'm going to tell you, you. At least they didn't have expectations then. Exactly. <laughs> but you add that to the fact that if just, just think about this. If the Dolphins come in there and get a win on November the 24th, um, that will maybe be the, the point where it's like, okay, you know what? We've had a lot of bad stuff before, but this was supposed to be one of the worst teams ever. Ever, and um, they came in here and win. I don't expect that to happen, but it's worth keeping in mind. Um, all right, we go from that, like I said, my lock of the week to your lock of the week, which uh, 
Yeah, <laughs> didn't go well either. Uh, the Green Bay Packers were at the L.A. Chargers, which I, you know, basically they they were playing in Green Bay. Um, but yeah, that part did pan out. <laughs> yeah. It was crazy seeing some of the pictures. Yes, uh, they're basically a home game for the Packers, but it was not a home game in terms of their performance as the Chargers win twenty six to eleven. Um, you know. Again, it, to me, it goes back to I, I actually think we learn a little bit more about the winning team here than the losing team. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know that it's a shocker to see a team like the Packers, who had played so well, go on the road like this, even though we joke about the, the attendance and all that. Um, but still, going across the country, essentially, on the road, and losing a game like this against a team that essentially was in a spot where they feel like they had to they had to get a win like this. Mm-hmm. They, they really needed it. Um, you just made the change on an offensive coordinator. You, you needed to get a little momentum, and that's exactly what the Chargers did. I mean, Melvin Gordon, we knew he was going to be more involved. He was. Um, Phillip Rivers plays well enough. No, you know, he didn't turn it over, didn't throw an interception. So that's a really good win for the Chargers. And now they're right there in that same picture. They're four and five. Uh, but you're feeling a lot better maybe about what they're able to accomplish, even though we're still going to have questions about their consistency. Yeah, I think I transferred my curse from the Eagles to the Packers last <laughs> week when we were saying if we could pick a new team to make the Super Bowl from each conference, yep. and I chose Green Bay. But uh, as you mentioned, I, I yeah, I think there's a bit more learned about the Chargers than the Packers in this case in terms of what they are really capable of and what made them so frustrating for a lot of this year, and it still is. Is you know that we we saw last year when they went 12 and four what they're capable of at certain uh, spurts, and the defense especially was absolutely impressive. I know Green Bay was really sloppy, and you can place that blame on Rodgers on their on the receivers offensive line everything on the play calling whatever you want to place it on but you got to give some credit to what the Chargers did that doesn't completely happen without them generating a stronger pass rush than I expected and overall the secondary stepping up and playing quite well so for the Chargers I mean yes you've had a, a season that seemed like it was lost but you're four and five in the AFC four and five is not four and five in the NFC it, it, you, you're still in the playoff picture there's still a lot of time left and a lot of games against teams that are right there with you that they can win and work their way back into it it won't be easy but here's a game where you you gain a lot of confidence against a Packer team that yes is you know at seven and one going into this game it had a few close calls and you know easily could have been a a couple games worse and so perhaps we you know we do learn maybe that the Packers are vulnerable for a number of reasons in terms of you know the offense when it does not click completely like it did early in the year the defense hasn't been as dominant as it was those first few weeks so it's going to be an adjustment for them their schedule is not going to be too much you know easier with a lot of teams and their division still have to play they got the Panthers 49ers coming up so they got some easier games games here and there but overall for green bay uh wake up call because uh, i mean every game in the nfl you're gonna have to you know step up and you can't take it for granted you can't just assume you're gonna stroll in against a charger team that has looked down but as we, as we just talked about they have so much talent there still and there's they're still gonna be able to get some wins here and there well big thursday night game coming up chargers and the raiders um you know that's it's a huge game for both teams and uh raiders are the home team in that one so uh that's that's a big one uh we we say that you know some of these thursday night games kind of hit and miss i think this is one that's sort of a must watch because uh it's going to definitely have implications uh, in terms of uh, the playoff race for sure all right we wrap up with uh we mentioned earlier the 49ers only undefeated team left that's because the new england patriots have lost the game uh the ravens get a 37 to 20 win over the Patriots at home. Uh, We had mentioned the Ravens felt like they were a little bit of a step behind the other teams that we talked about in our our sort of midway uh, predictions for the rest of the way, I guess you could say, looking at Mm -hmm. teams we felt like were pretenders and contenders. We thought the Ravens were a little bit behind those other teams, but uh, a game like this 
makes you certainly think about it and say, well, if they can play this well against a defense like that, um, the sky is the limit for the Ravens because uh, this is a, a just a huge win. And Lamar Jackson stops that streak that we said. I think it was 24 straight. Uh, the Patriots had beaten quarterbacks under the age or 23 or younger. Mm-hmm. Um, so mm-hmm. that streak stops. And uh, what do you know? The Ravens get a win here. And, and, and it was one that I don't know that we completely thought it was unexpected. We, we knew there was a yeah. possibility this could happen. But I think just watching it, you certainly come away very impressed with what the Ravens are capable of moving forward. Yeah, the path of them winning was exactly kind of what we talked about in terms of, you know, New England's run defense hasn't been phenomenal as much as their secondary stole in the show. And as a defense, they've really performed quite well, even against, you know, taking into account the quality of their competition. Their defense has been great, but that was the one place it could be exploited. And the Ravens, I mean, the game, the, the, the tone was set really early, not just from that one first drive, but they get a three and out and then again have a long drive, only ends in a field goal. But that's the kind of thing you usually see the Patriots do. That's what we saw the Patriots do last year in the AFC title game against the Chiefs. Take the ball, establish, you know, you know, get run, run the ball well, get, control the clock, convert the third downs when you need to, and really kind of take the will out of the other team. So uh, it was really impressive to see. And, it, you know, a lot of people, <laughs> uh, you know, on, not just on Twitter, but talking head, you know, kind of personalities will say like, oh, Belichick's not, you know, he's kind of, he's not going to reveal everything yet. He's not going to put all his best play calls out there. He's taking this in this inventory now and he's going to take into account and use it against Lamar Jackson later. That's great. I'm sure he's going to learn from this film and I'm sure there's going to be things that will be adjusted, but I, it didn't, <laughs> if you're watching the game, it wasn't like they were just allowing Lamar Jackson to, to carve them up, you know, with the, what they're doing. There's a lot of plays where the defenders were there. They, the play calls were fine and it's just, there's only so much you can do against a quarterback that can, you know, that mobile, but also just make the, the correct decisions. Every time they ran these option runs, he seemed to hand it off at the right time and keep it at the right time and just keeping them on their toes making you know guys miss left and right it was just you saw kind of you know obviously they the Ravens have catered this whole team to Lamar Jackson but you see it now this was really impressive and it shows what the Ravens are capable of I mean their defense also stepping up quite a bit I mean this game you see 20 points for the Patriots it doesn't seem awful but they come off you know the points in the first half they only really had two drives the entire game uh, where they move the ball, they they get the one muffed uh, punt, and then the the Mark Ingram fumble that set up ten of their points. Otherwise, they you know they really didn't do a ton. And the Ravens defense uh, it's gotten healthier. They had some injuries in the secondary. They obviously trade for Marcus Peters, so they're starting to come around. And uh, it's it's got to be scary for the rest of the AFC. Uh, they're a team that is absolutely capable with their running game to exploit the Chiefs and the Pats. Probably their two biggest uh, teams that could upset them, or not upset them, but beat them in the playoffs. Their two their biggest weaknesses on both those defenses is their run defense and the Ravens are more than capable of uh, exploiting that. So I, I think for Belichick, yes, there's going to be adjustments. Absolutely, as we've seen other teams that have faced the Ravens in the past twice and kind of made different uh, things happen with what they do uh, defensively. But now that the you know compared to last year, the Ravens have really unleashed Lamar Jackson throwing the ball too. So it's not going to be as easy. You can have the right play call, but there's so many different things where. He just sees what the defense is giving him, doesn't make the, you know, try to force it. And as long as that's the case, as long as Lamar Jackson plays like this, there's no reason they can't be right there with the Pats at the top of the AFC. Yep, that's for sure. Uh, and that's and the race has gotten a lot more interesting in the AFC, as we've talked about. Um, and, yeah, we kind of know what we're seeing. Maybe we feel a lot better about where things are at the top of the NFC in terms of we see the teams that are there, but that 
the AFC, there's a lot of teams in the middle that are sort of trying to break through. And, yeah, that's why we said that Thursday night game this week uh, is going to be a lot of fun. And we'll talk about that one uh, once we get to our picks for Week 10. Uh, of course, the Monday night game, uh, if you want our thoughts on that one, you can get that on a previous episode. Uh, I just have run one request, and that's for Saquon Barkley to have a nice enough game, <laughs> or let's put it this way, to have a better game than Evan Ingram because I think I'm up 12 in one of my leagues against someone. <laughs> I have Saquon. The other person has Evan Ingram. All I'm asking is just for uh, a nice performance from Saquon. I I don't think that's too much to ask. So, um, all right, we'll wrap up as we always do here with a look at the waiver wire for fantasy football. Speaking of that, um, looking ahead at the potential pickups uh, you could have for this week. And, Dylan, uh, this is a situation where we know there's always a week like this. There's a lot of teams on by, um, and Mm -hmm. it's kind of that crucial point where – you know, maybe you're a team uh, like me in one of my leagues where you're like, you have to get a win here if you want to uh, be in the fantasy football playoff race. And um, now you're looking at a situation where there's a lot of teams on by. Uh, you may need to slot some people in somewhere because uh, there are so many that, that are on by with six teams. Uh, I pull it up mm-hmm. here now. I forgot who all it was. It's the Broncos, the Jags. Yeah the Texans, the Patriots, the Eagles, and the Redskins. Um, So you're talking about, you know, Tom Brady, Deshaun Watson, Leonard Fournette, uh, Carson Wentz. Uh, There's lots of different guys that that maybe DeAndre Hopkins, lots of guys that you may have to replace. Mm -hmm. Well, I've got some bad news for you. The waiver wire isn't that great. So um, (laughs) you you should probably, like we said, we know teams are kind of built now to where – the, the nucleus of your roster is already in place. You, you know what you have, um, so you're you're in you're in good shape. You probably have people that are going to replace them. You're feeling okay, but if you have to turn, like if you're someone like Dylan or I in these deeper, you know, fourteen team leagues that have to find someone uh, to plug in, well, there are some options. Uh, let's start at the quarterback position because I, I went through this and. There's really not a lot of, you know, I, I'm not going to run out and pick up Brian Hoyer. Uh, I'm just not. Like, I don't, I don't think <laughs> I don't think many people are going to do that, but just no. for the record, I'm not going to run out and pick up Brian Hoyer. Um, the only one that really stood out to me, Dylan, we talked about a minute ago, is Derek Carr. I mean, he's 37.3% owned. Mm-hmm. He has that big game against the Chargers on Thursday. Then he gets the Bengals. Then he gets the Jets. So, really, yeah, they're going to try to run a lot of things through Josh Jacobs, but – Tyrell Williams is back now. We've seen uh, another wide receiver who I'm going to mention here in a second that's kind of had two good back-to-back games for him. Eric Carr's not a bad choice maybe here moving forward. Yeah, my league outside of our clutch points one, I've started Derek Carr the last couple of weeks and has got me a couple, uh, really helped me get two big wins there. So, yeah, he's been as really solid as we talked about. The Raiders section, that they're they're clicking with the passing game. The offensive line, even with injuries here and there, has, you know, they've only had so many snaps with their full offensive line, which could, you know, be a top 10 unit when I'm fully healthy, but they've still gotten the job done and that's helped Derek Carr immensely, just like a lot of quarterbacks. It, when you have a when you have time to throw, you're going to make things happen. They have plenty of weapons who have developed outside of, you know, what we thought early in the year with Antonio Brown and what was possibly going to be there. I mean, Tyrell Williams has looked phenomenal. Darren Waller's obviously been one of the better tight ends in the NFL. Hunter Renfro now contributing. So, I mean, there's a lot of options there, and they're going to have to be throwing a lot because a lot of their games are going to be shootouts. So that bodes well for fantasy-wise. And, uh, you know, maybe it was only one game for Garoppolo. I, I'm probably going to have to start him this coming week. <laughs> um, Seattle's secondary doesn't scare me too much. But, yeah, I mean, he's another option. Uh, just looking at these uh, quarterbacks kind of that in a lot of leagues might be available, not maybe in our 14-team uh, 
uh, one of yeah. clutch points. But overall, there's there's some decent options here at the top. Yeah, for sure. Um, and I, I did consider Jimmy G, but I yeah, I don't, they just they want to run the ball, man. I, that's why I was mm-hmm. like, eh, I don't know. I mean, yeah. the Raiders do too, True. I guess. But I, I think there, there's a situation where I feel like Derek Carr has more opportunity, certainly with the upcoming schedule that they have here. Mm-hmm. And, and let's just go ahead and talk about Hunter Renfro, which you just mentioned. He's among the wide receivers I have because he does have a touchdown in back-to-back games. He's caught 10 of 11 targets in those two games. Uh, so he's one of the wide receiver options. Uh, we'll go back to running back here in a second because there's not much on the running back front. Uh, wide receivers, <laughs> though, um, Hunter Renfro's on my list. I think Zach Pascal from the Colts, uh, that is probably more – because of the T.Y. Hilton situation, um, even though Hoyer you know, could be the starter for this week, uh, we don't really know, I guess. Uh, but the Colts do have the Dolphins, the Jags, and the Texans coming up, so not exactly a tough slate. Uh, and, and Pascal, so, you know, he's, he's had a couple of good performances. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's in there. And then uh, my man Cole Beasley, we got to go back to him. I mean, just <laughs> Mr. Consistency. Uh, he has at least nine fantasy points, and this is just, I'm pretty sure, just standard leagues. Uh, at least nine in all but one game this season, and he did it again. Another touchdown this week against the Redskins. Uh, Alden Tate, who the Bengals were on by, we, we've kind of hyped him up. Alden Tate just, I mean, he's a... He's a physical specimen, and even if A.J. Green comes back, I still think on tape versus someone like Alex Erickson, uh, Tate's still going to be the guy that, that's getting some, some pretty good uh, support, I think, in this this offense, although there's quarterback change there. You never know. I was uh, going to say, hopefully yeah. Finley's able to get it done for him. <laughs> well, and the good thing is you know the Bengals are going to be throwing a lot, so that's the positive, yes. too, is that they're going to have to throw. Uh, so you throw on Tate in there, and then – we have to come to what I initially had on my list before we knew of Preston Williams' entry for the rest of the season. I had both Devontae Parker and Preston Williams on there. Of course, <laughs> Preston Williams likely out for the season now mm-hmm. after his biggest game of the year. Yep. I've spent all season hyping Making this. Making you look like a genius. I know. I've spent all season hyping this guy up. And he has this biggest game. I'm like, I'm ready just to you know bask in the glory and now he's probably out for the year. So that that hurts, but at the same time, it also probably makes Devontae Parker a much more valuable resource at wide receiver uh, because he's going to get about 20 targets a game, I think, moving forward here for the, for the Dolphins. Yeah, I think he might be my top one. I mean, the Dolphins are yeah. – we've seen them playing much better. They're obviously trying to win at least the, the players in the field. It's almost as if – I know Williams is actually hurt, but it's almost as if, you know, we had Xavier Howard last week and now this week. It's almost like the best players in their, on each <laughs> yeah. respective side are playing too well. They're like, oh, no, we got to shut them down before yeah. – <laughs> before the before we win too many games but no Preston uh, yeah I mean you're telling the people and we'll see next year we'll see how how they've kind of retooled that team he should be a big threat but yeah Cole Beasley like you said probably the most uh, reliable guy if you just need like you know really want that extra eight nine points from your flex and then you're not not probably going to get the big kind of boot jumps that you can get from some of these other guys he's not he's not likely to boom the same way yeah. especially with uh, with Josh Allen's kind of struggles here and there but he's still a reliable safety net for him and at times he's going to be the guy especially in the red zone that he's starting to go to so uh yeah I mean, a lot of options though i mean uh, compared to as you said to the running backs there's more uh guys especially in ppr leagues if you're a non-ppr it's a little more rough but um at least guys that are going to be getting touches here and there yep not not some bad options there and like you said i probably and i and i'll make my decision on the order but of the list that i have Devontae parker's probably at the top um just because knowing what we know uh with mm-hmm. preston williams injury and just the fact that you know that they're going to throw the ball and uh they've got to have somewhere to throw it to 
and uh, Devontae Parker is the good, as good of option as any. Go back to the running back because I, I don't really see many options out there, to be honest, that you're going to feel good about. Like someone was talking about uh, maybe, you know, J.D. McKissick with the Lions. I don't feel confident about picking him up. You don't, you don't know what you're going to get from the Lions in the running game. Uh, even though he had a good game against the Raiders, you know, is he going to turn around and have a great game uh, against someone like the Bears? Uh, maybe. And, we, you know, we mentioned that with the Bears certainly struggled against the run, but mm-hmm. I don't feel confident enough in this. The only one I put on here, and this is this is more of a bitch sort of stash situation because you don't know uh-huh. what you're going to get, um, which is teams on by, so you're not gonna, even going to get them this week. Darius Geis is the only one I have on here because – we know they're going to run the ball, um, even as well as Adrian Peterson has played. I think, let's say, you're you're a team with a much better record. Obviously, if you're a team that's losing, you don't want to go pick up Darius Geis because, again, mm-hmm. he doesn't even play this week. Um, yeah. But let's say for the playoff run, you think there's a chance uh, that Darius Geis may factor into what they want to do in the running game. I mean, you know, if you have someone that just isn't doing anything and you're like, this guy's never going to get me any points, mm-hmm. it's not worth I mean, it's not a terrible option, I guess. Um, but there aren't a lot. Like, again, I don't – trust me. I, I'm yeah. just trying to find ten guys for this week. I'm yeah. sorry. Let's just point it out. Um, it's not easy to do, but – Maybe he's worth uh, to look here because I think people have already hopped on the Kareem Hunt train, uh, surely, because he's he's not available in a lot of leagues. But I will say, if for some reason he's above that 50% threshold, I don't even know what his numbers are right mm-hmm. now, but I would just check to see if Kareem Hunt is out there because he would be an obvious addition if for some reason yeah. he's not owned because he's he's ready to go and he's going to get plugged back in pretty quickly. Yeah, I'll try to help you out here. I've been looking at these different options for what I would maybe consider if I was looking to add a running back. Um, if you're in PPR, I mean, I know it's it's a, kind of a risky one, but in terms of touches going up and given the state of the team, J.D. McKissick with the Lions could be a, an okay option. I, I know it's reacting a bit to one big game, but overall, as we've said, Detroit, their state of the running game, obviously, with on Johnson and just even before that had kind of been going down. They're a team that's having to throw a lot. McKissick fit, fits much better into that kind of role that we saw in the past from guys like Amir Abdullah. So yeah. we'll see if he can continue to stay productive. A, a team also with a secondary that's really kind of dropped off. So a uh, guy that's going to be on the field a lot in passing situations. Apart from that, <laughs> it's pretty brutal. I mean, maybe you, there's still people that kind of believe in what Daryl Henderson might be able to do if, uh, yeah. if he gets more touches with Malcolm Brown out, I guess. But even then, I uh, wouldn't feel great given how the Rams have struggled overall with their offensive line. Just not a lot of great options here. I guess Ronald Jones at certain points, but, uh, <laughs> you know, certain weeks, yeah, certain weeks he's not really on the field too much. So none of these guys are really reliable. You're going to have to figure out, you know, get, you're going to have to c- combine a little bit of luck in a matchup. And I, I guess at this point, though, with bye weeks, that's kind of what you're going for anyway. Yeah, folks, I hope you've got your running back situation settled because if you're hunting for running backs this week, you're done. Like, you're, you're in trouble uh, because I, I don't see any really out there. Like I said, even Darius Geis, he's not a pickup for this week. He's one to have for, like, a playoff run or something. Um, so keep that in mind there. Uh, we wrap up here with a couple defenses, and it's all about who they're playing. The Ravens are out there, only 33.6% on. They've got the Bengals up next. And then the Colts, 37.4% on. They've got the Dolphins up next. I mean, Dylan, those are two obvious ones. Aside from mm-hmm. that, I mean, th- those are the priority pickups. And really, 
I'm sure there are others out there as well because when we look at the teams that are on by this week, um, you know, how, how many of those were we probably people? Were they using the Redskins? Was everyone sort of look, using the Eagles? Uh, probably not. Mm. You know, was anybody using the, the Texans? Probably not. Not many people using the Jags at this point. Uh, so if you need a defense, those two are, are certainly the most obvious pickups. Yeah, I, I, defense, again, is a lot of matchup based for me. I, it really depends on who they're facing. So, I, I, you know, I'd take either one given the who they're playing. But overall, for me, I, I feel decent with Buffalo as my – I've kind of stuck with them for a while. But at the same time, as I mentioned, they've kind of taken some steps back. So I might have to start looking on the wire. I mean, it really depends on who you think you're going to be facing. So, yeah, if you – if anyone that doesn't have the Ravens, I mean, they're only 33% owned. Man, that's – getting the Bengals coming up. So that might be one to, to hop on, absolutely. Yes, no doubt about it. That's an obvious one. Go find the Ravens. They're out there, uh, clearly if you look at the numbers so uh yeah take a look at them and don't be like me if you have the Steelers play the Steelers man they're they're so good <laughs> at this point like don't yeah. even don't even, even against cons- the Rams I would probably, I, yeah. yeah that's what I like you feel like they're gonna get pressure and they're gonna get some sacks so mm-hmm. uh I'm I'm keeping the Seager Steelers and just saying they're my defense here moving forward I don't I don't even know we may just go with them the rest of the season so we'll see <laughs> uh all right that wraps it up uh, with our look at uh, the week nine takeaways from uh, Sunday's action and uh, our waiver wire picks for the week uh as always uh, we've got a lot of great stuff going up over at clutch points and uh Dylan, let them know where they can uh, find all our great stuff yeah, so for the podcast, Establish the Pass on Spotify, iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, anywhere you can find podcasts. We also have the podcast section on our website. There's just a giant tab that says podcast when you go to clutchpoints.com. Um, obviously, we have uh, your Cutting the Net podcast, keeping those episodes coming with college yeah. basketball now back, even if it's uh, mostly teams like UCLA facing teams I've never heard of. So, you know, hey, really kind of UCLA in the preseason. UCLA plays the Gauchos on Sunday, my friend, so uh, look That's going to be, I mean, I, I, I'll probably be there you know if i it depending on my schedule working with football but last time they played here it was uh not the best outing when they uh, it was back when lonzo and those guys were at ucla so not not a pretty one for my gauchos but yeah uh, college basketball coming back so cutting the net great option there and then with the battle for la podcast lakers and clippers looking great so we got our two clipper and laker reporters here uh tomer and ryan doing that once a week and two two teams that are looking like they're uh, looking quite well for the uh not just for the city but for the nba as a whole as it's getting a lot more parody um and then for our nfl content yeah again at clutchpoints.com nfl tab there uh you can search fantasy football for all our fantasy content and uh it's the same thing in the app there's a you know the nfl section with the scores tab for following the games live with uh, everything from re- highlights social media reactions uh, different things from beat riders stats all that's good stuff in there and, and also the news as well so appreciate everyone that's either listening subscribing uh you know whether it be to our podcast the app or reading our stuff online yep uh, lots of awesome stuff to check out there uh it's a it's a fun time in sports because we have pretty much everything going you know baseball just ended but we've got nfl full swing uh college you know basketball is getting ready to start the nba as we know uh, in full swing now so lots of great stuff check out there over clutch points and uh we'll be back next time here on the establish the past podcast